Welcome to the 301 Colored Commentators, a monthly podcast series where two black men from the state of Maryland debate and get their hot takes on movies, professional wrestling, and TV shows. So have a listen, have a look-see, but nonetheless, enjoy. Hey folks, how you doing? What up? Yeah, 301 Colored Commentators, season two, episode number 10. That's right, we're in the final week of Black History Month, so we wanted to do something special for you guys today. What what am I talking about? We always do something special for y'all. 100. Tell them, Zach. This time, it's going to be the three Gs. Three Gs that we're doing in each one of our um, review entries. First, we're going to be talking about the 2017 film Get Out. Then we're going to be talking about the Great American Bash, the inaugural, the 1985 one. Yeah. And lastly, we're going to be talking about the Netflix series starring Sofia Vergara, Griselda. Good show. Yes, indeed. So... Start off as we always do. What mm. are we? What have, what have we been up to? What have we been up to? Okay, let me show you what I've been up to lately. Go ahead. You see these? True Detective season one. Mm. True Detective season two. Okay. And True Detective season three. You know why I'm showing you guys this? You know why I'm bringing these out? You know why? Because I don't want y'all to watch season four. <laughs> I don't want you to burn your eyes like the hey, victims no. in that episode. <laughs> Damn, you're a fool. I don't want you to burn your eyes like the victims in that oh, season. Oh, my God. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> and I also, they also announced they're doing a season five now, too. I'm like, this is not season five or four. This is just true detective hey, in the name only. I didn't see that coming. That's funny. Yeah, give Nick Pizzolatto his show back. I mean, call me a Nick Pizzolatto stan. Say I'm a big proponent of toxic masculinity. But here's the thing, Issa Lopez, she cannot write a story. And she puts in all that ghost story bullshit in there to fill the gaps. And that's four people writing an episode for her. That's like Beyonce, when she has like 50 people producing a single uh, song for her. At least Beyonce's comes out well. <laughs> yeah, pause. Well, yeah, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, that's that, funny. yeah, that's just my take. I just had to get that out. Nicely done. Thank nicely you. Done, Thank nicely you. Nicely done. Nicely done. What else? Anything else? Um, what's it called? Um, what else has been going on? I caught that film. Um, what's it called? American Fiction. Oh yeah, yeah I seen it. Yeah, with yeah. with uh, Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he better get the Oscar for that. It's a good movie. He's a good. He's a. It's a good. It's a good film. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the most versatile actors out there, black or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first saw him. It was in Shaft, the Samuel L. Jackson joint, mm, 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 where he played that Dominican nigga, Peoples Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that yeah. performance was so good. My parents, to this day, still quote, you want, you want pathetic Kentucky fried nigga. I got some chicken wing for you. <laughs> Your parents quote that shit? They love that part. <laughs> they love that part. Shout out to the Shacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. What about you? Um, uh, what was it? Presidents, the long weekend, President's Day weekend. Yeah, President's Day weekend. Took a little trip to Colombia. Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. What's it called? You said you didn't get to Med- Medellin, or did you? Nah, but I was kicking it with the narcos in Cartagena. <laughs> kicking it with the narcos in Bogota. Uh, so nice. That's good. what's up. That's what's up. It was a good time. Uh, shout out, shout out to uh, Colombia. I'll definitely make a trip back. But mm-hmm. that next time I'll probably will check out Medellin, um, Cartagena, and Bogota. Very different cities. Uh, Cartagena is uh, more cultural, historical. Um, gives me like Cuba, Cuban vibes, like with the historical city. Mm-hmm. It's hot as hell too. I was able, since it's Black History Month, I was able to visit a little town in Bogota, sorry, in Cartagena called Palenque. 
which was a town that was established by free slaves. Oh, so that was work? Little, yeah, it was all like literally a black city, a black town, and it's still ongoing. Yeah, it's still ongoing. It's real, real, real fire. Respect. I was able to kick it and make some music, by the way, mm. with one of the artists over there who was done Tiny Disc. You made music. Yeah. Were you in a studio? Nah, it was like live. It was like with a drum and a okay. xylophone, and then he was spitting, doing his little freestyle or whatever. Oh, that's dope. So that was fun. Uh, so you got a video of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll I send bet. It to you. It's dope. Um, nice. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, Cartagena was very, very hot. Bogota, not so much. Bogota was a good, closer to our weather, actually. What, fluctuates like every week? Yeah, in that sense, but also like not, you, le- you need a light jacket at night. It's like okay, 70, scraping 70 in the daytime, and in the mornings and evenings are like 50. Never mind. Uh, Never 40, mind. 40s and 50s. That reminds me of our trip to the Grand Canyon. Like, what's it called? Oh, like, that was crazy. That was cold. Yeah, that was a cold yeah, desert was, in yeah, April. Yeah, it was cold. It, it was warm in the day, and then the nights were cold as hell in the mornings. They were, but when y'all y'all took the trip to Phoenix too, where it was a totally yeah, the polar totally, opposite. It was like ninety degrees. It was basically the same thing almost. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, so and then Bogota is like city, like it's like a city on the hills. So it's like crazy because it's very city like with mm-hmm. like. You know, a metropolis style looking place. Yeah. But it also has lush vegetation and mountains. Sounds like Virginia. So it's, yeah, it's different. It's, it's dope though. It's dope. And there's a lot of people in Bogota. I was like, I think there's like 17 million people in that joint. Oh, that's a big city. Yeah. Wow. So it was cool though. Um, definitely would go back. It was a quick little in and out trip. So, but. How long were you there for? In it was like three, three and a half days. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's so, well, average. Did a right. lot. Did a lot in that short time. So it was fun. So shout out to shout out to. Yeah, I'm gonna head to South America myself during the summer. Don't know where though, but I will head somewhere. Real For vacation. Sure, I definitely encourage you travel and see. It's the only way to learn. Yeah, true. And I gotta work on my espanol as well too. <laughs> Not work, but practice. I guess. Yeah. Sense. This man spits. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was that was what I've been up to lately. It was fun. Shout out to. Uh, um, Colombia. Colombia. People are real friendly and nice too. Oh yes. Only Spanish speaking country I've been to was when last year around this time when we were at Naeem's oh, yeah, wedding. yeah, Panama. For Panama. Happy anniversary to them. Happy anniversary, yeah, Naeem yeah. and Ori. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Yeah, that was fun too. Those people down there were friendly as hell. Yeah, it was a good time. It's actually ironically like they neighbor each other, they border each other. Yeah, uh, they do. Panama and and, um, and Colombia. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Panama is Central America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Yes. All right. Oh, speaking of what of what your usual your Afro beats, a girl I know sent me some like uh, Afro beats done by some indigenous group. Actually, I'll send it to you when I get a chance. Yeah, definitely. Maybe you maybe you've heard them before. Definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely. Uh... It's actually dope. I liked it. Send it over. Check it out. I will. I will. Yep. Yep. Until then, I think, shall we get started? Let's do it. All right. The first, the first entry we're going to be talking about is the film Get Out. It was released February. That don't work unless it's an actual teacup. Hey, man, I'm improvising. <laughs> All right, do it again. Do it again, though. <laughs> I'm in a sunken place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Get Out was released February 24th, 2017 and was written and directed by Jordan Peele in his debut for both. Mm. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, 
Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener, and Lil Rel Howery. The plot, basically in a nutshell, it follows a young black man, Christopher Washington, played by Kaluuya, who uncovers some shocking secrets when he meets the family of his white girlfriend, Rose Armitage. Mm -hmm. The film received critical acclaim for its screenplay, direction, acting, and social critiques. It was a major commercial success, grossing $255 million worldwide against a $4.5 million budget. Mm -hmm. And with a net profit of $124.3 million, making it the 10th most profitable film of 2017. It won many accolades, and it was nominated for four Oscars, including Best Original Screenplay, which Jordan Peele won, and was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director for Jordan Peele, and Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya. Now, mind you, Jordan Peele, he's more known for his comedy, mm -hmm. from when him and Keegan-Michael Key did the sketch comedy, uh, Key and Peele, mm -hmm. and his directorial debut with uh, Get Out. It's a horror film, it's framed as a horror film, but it has strong elements of social satire and a fair element of comedy in there as well, too. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like it. Yeah, when I, I, when I first saw the trailer for this film a year prior, mm -hmm. and, and the first thing I see Daniel Kaluuya's character ask his white girlfriend, does your family know that I'm black? I'm like, <laughs> this is supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. And you see the dark undertones of music, and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I want to see this. I want to see what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I caught it the, the week it came out, right? And it's funny to me, because what's it called? When, us black folks, when we know a movie is geared towards us, we rush to the theater to go Hell see it. Hell yeah. Black Panther. Hell yeah. Straight Outta Compton. Hell yeah. The weekend Straight Outta Compton came out in 2015. I couldn't get into the morning show because it was sold it was out. Sold I'm like, out. what? Really? I, I definitely I definitely went that weekend. Either that weekend or the weekend after. I caught it later in the day, but I'm like, I'm I'm shocked, but you know what? I'll catch it later in the yeah. day. I don't care. Yeah. This one I caught in the morning, and, and what's it called? It was it was a sold out it was a sold out theater. I saw this in the evening, but I definitely saw it in the theater too. And it's like, by the end of the film, I was thinking to myself, every black person in America who's ever been followed around a department store, a Macy's <laughs> or JCPenney's, mm -hmm. been followed around and continuously asked, can I help you? When, mm -hmm. we're, when we're really just in there to shop, yeah. we actually do have a shopping agenda. Yeah. Anybody who's ever experienced that, y'all need to see this film because this speaks to the black, the black American experience. And of how... The black experience. The black in, experience. In, in the West, period. And of how whites white liberal american white liberals it's like one of the messages in the film was they they're enamored with black culture they like black culture but they don't respect it mm -hmm. not all of them but a, but a lot of them you only like yeah they only adhere to it when it you know they only adhere to it when it's to their benefit or when it's appropriate uh, but they don't want the burdens that come with it yeah, yeah. i speaking of which I had a friend, I got a friend, right? Um, he's had many girlfriends. Um, he's married now. His wife, she's a sister. But before that, he was dating a white girl for several years, right? Mm -hmm. And we we all in the friends group, we thought she was cool at first, but then we started seeing the elements of what we later see with Rose. Not the homicidal, I wanna <laughs> I wanna take a black man home so my family can cut out of his cut up his brain. Not that kind of thing. Yeah. But we started seeing elements of entitlement. Um, what's it called? Making subtle digs at him and, and us. Mm. And when he got away from her, when he got away from her, he was, he was telling us all kinds of things, including this, which I'll relates say, to your point. I was just about to say, do you have any details? Go ahead. 
Yeah, including this, which relates to your point. He's like, her problem is she wants to be a black woman. She just sticks her head in the sand and listens to Erica Badu all day long. She wants to be a black woman, but with not, but without the realities of it. Yeah, that's what happens, man. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's one thing he said. But all but my thoughts in the film was I saw a lot of Jordan Peele. Whenever you watch a Jordan Peele film, whether Get Out, Us, or Nope, any imagery you see in the film that seems peculiar or any dialogue, it's deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And this film, his debut was no different, and he pulled out all the stops for this one. Yeah. yeah. Like... When when Chris, when he first meets him, meets his girlfriend's family, right, the Armitages, right, mm-hmm. the father, the father's showing him around the house and saying all kinds of things that he thinks would probably make Chris comfortable, but in reality, it's like makes him a little cringe a little, like saying, "I would have voted for Barack Obama a third time, best goddamn president in our lifetime." Yeah. Yeah, or I, um, we could all relate to people like that, especially around here. Around here, around especially, the Washington D.C. area, especially around the DMV. Yeah, yeah. yeah lot, lots yeah. of white, lots of whites have supported Barack Obama in both terms. A lot of them have this belief that like racism somehow either is over or significantly deadened with his election as president both times. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a start, but it's not. It's not the full blown, not the full blown like what's it called solution. Yeah, like even. To some extent, and I, I I use this term, I guess loosely, or you could take it how you want. I'm not I'm not encompassing everybody in that one box, but even some of the the white people that have been advocates or in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, sometimes some of the stuff that they say <laughs> in respect to that gives you the same kind of cringe, you know, um, feeling or cringe moment as you would find in this movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and also other deliberate statements that were made in the movie, um, in regards to, in regards to being foreshadowing, like um, Dean. That's the father's name, Dean Armitage. Yeah, Dean, yeah. And also, it's curious. Bradley Whitford, the guy that plays um, the guy that plays Dean, he was in The Handmaid's Tale, or like what's it called, that dystopian future where women are basically cattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. I think he won a few Emmys for his role in that. And also, but my point is, when he was showing Chris around. Like Chris, you don't want to go in the basement. There's some black mold down there. Yeah. 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 And that foreshadows what we saw later. Like you're molding black people. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Basically. Basically. You're right. Um, Even early in the film, like when we see a Lakeith Stanfield in a cameo. Well, not not even a cameo because he appears as two different characters. Really. Yeah. Yeah. He's walking around a suburb and he's talking to Rose. Right, yeah. the white girl. Yeah, he was her. You pointed out that out to me. I didn't even catch that at the beginning, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. He's walking around some suburb when he gets when he gets captured, and appears later on as like Logan King with a white man controlling his body. Yeah, yeah, yeah speaking perfect English, um, and not knowing like certain African American uh, customs, like how we shake hands and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think he's also a symbol of like. Um, to some extent, some middle class assimilation. Yes, yeah, middle class black people assimilating into Western or white society because, like, they feel compelled to in order to be accepted or whatever you want to call it. Social climbing, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at what cost? But at what cost? Your own identity, which is what happened with with Lakes. But not character. Yeah, yeah, but not by but not by his own. Not choice. by his own choice. Yes, not by his own choice. But yeah, yeah. Um, the mother, the, the mother's a psychiatrist, and uh, 
it, this, it's curious they put Catherine Keener in this film because considering the whole thing that they're doing with brain swapping and whatnot, mm -hmm. she was in a film that was related to that, uh, Being John Malkovich. Did you ever see that? I've heard about it. I've never seen it. Yeah, where like John Cusack, his character's a puppeteer in New York, and he finds in his office building a room which is actually a portal into the brain of actor John Malkovich, where you can be John Malkovich, be John Malkovich for 15 minutes before it kicks you out onto the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. And he figured he could make a lot of money doing that. Like, you can be John Malkovich. Okay. And she was one of the people in the film. I think she was, uh, Catherine Keener was either his wife hmm. or like a co-worker that he just lusted after. Interesting. Yeah, and Jordan Peele said, yeah, her inclusion in here makes Get Out a sequel to being John Malkovich. Malkovich. Mm, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also feel like this movie was low-key... Like a remake. Some of the concepts were taken from like movies like um, Stepford Wives. Have you ever seen that? I, I've I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Stepford Wives, Rosemary's Baby. Seen that. Yeah. So like the whole concept, but those movies are more channeled to women being like entrapped or in their sunken place. Yeah. By societal expectations, um, whereas this touches more on race, on the, the journey of a black man being entrapped or, you know, based on Western societal expectations or or stereotypes and stuff. Um, like, down to, like, how... I guess you're going to get into it, but, like, how sure. some of the, the characters, like, um, the maid servant... Oh, yeah. Georgina. Georgina and then the, the fast guy. Mm -hmm. They're almost robotic. Even though they're, they're you know... Being they're replaced by white people, they're still in. They're still kind of in their sunken entity. Yeah. But they're very robotic and very like systematic. And if you watch Stepford Wives, they're people. They're characters that literally mimic, especially like the the, the lady Georgina. Georgina, yeah. Like there's like she has a character. Like if you go side by side in the movie Stepford Wives, it's like the same person. Just one is like catered to a woman being a housewife and doing housewife things versus her. Being, you know, the black servant, but it's servant. a cover. It's a cover up. Yeah, I, and then to 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 add to that, I think it's a it's metaphoric of modern day slavery, where even though you're not like being told to do what you're basically a surrogate, a slave surrogate, if that makes any sense. It is yeah, that that yeah. image that was done deliberately. That yeah. was done deliberately, and yeah. it, and it becomes like um uh it, it's a it's a subverted trope by the by by the middle of the film. We learn that those are just white brains and white people and white people's bodies. bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not as so the subservient part is really just a cover. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah when Chris, if Chris wasn't there, they would just be just utilizing those black bodies, bodies. to the full extent. Mm. Like the, the the grandfather would still be running in the body of the black dude. I, I forget his name though, yeah. the character and the, and the actor, but I remember him from Snowfall. When he played Andre, yeah, he was Andre right. in Snowfall. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But yeah, you're right. It was just a cover so that you know, um, what's his face wouldn't know. Yeah, because you see, what's it called during the party, right? Um, when Logan King when he arrives, and um, what's it called, the groundskeeper, he's socializing with all those white people like yeah, he knows them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Logan King is like, hello, and showing off his white his body. It's like, like why is he doing, doing that? that? And you yeah, get why later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even at the end. When she's trying to kill um, Daniel Kaluuya, she's like, go get him, Grandpa. Yeah. And he, uh, he just runs after, runs yeah, after. Yeah. Like, damn you! But at the same time, like, 
the souls of the original people are still in the body. Yeah, they're in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. their brains may be gone, but a little bit. Yeah, the souls are still souls in there. Souls are still in there, yeah. And if you, like, flash a light in their face, it briefly brings them right back right up back. to the surface. Yes. From the sunken place. Yes, yes. Enough for them to have agency. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. That they, they take away black agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. In favor of our... And just so they can utilize our bodies. Yeah. Utilize what we do. Yeah. Sort of like how the record industry, how they like, um, how they utilize black musicians and give them pennies. Like, um, for example, the, 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 the R&B group New Edition. They were just in their early teens, just early, early teens, black kids from the projects in Boston when they got discovered. Hmm. And when they got discovered, they got taken on a tour, a nationwide tour for most of the year, performing the songs from their album. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, they get dropped off in a bus back to the projects with a brand new bike and a dollar ninety-eight checks each. They sued that's, their managers that's for that. Crazy exploitation. Cruddy. Criminal. Yes. They sued or went at went at their record company for that because they don't deserve that kind of pittance for that work they put in. Mm-hmm. And the guy that brought them together said, fuck it, I'm gonna just do this over again, but with white teens and make more money. Yeah, new kids on the block. The new kids on the block, yeah, those were those teens. Yeah. They win that lawsuit. Uh, they got out of their contract. I gotta, I gotta look that up. They got out of their contract and then they signed with another label, but they weren't exactly signed with them either, so they weren't getting paid as much. Yeah, they. That's Damn. why. That's why Michael Bivens. That's why Michael Bivens from the group started to get involved in the record industry, so he could learn the ins and outs and not get screwed mm-hmm. or have to screw anybody like that again. So. When New Edition broke up their first time, he's Bell Biv DeVoe. Yeah, I and then that. then he found it. He he was the one who discovered Boys to Men. Mm, okay, let's see. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot going on in this film too. So much, even the other more imagery like Rose. After it's discovered what the Armitage what the Armitage family what they really do, mm-hmm. Rose she keeps her hair in a ponytail from then on, and we see her dressed in mostly white. And when she's upstairs looking for her new target, a latest black target, she's she's an ambiguous bisexual because we see later on in the yeah. earlier in the film, Chris discovers a chest, a box full of pictures of all the black people she's been with, yeah. including the person who used to be Georgina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when she's upstairs looking at her new target, she's got that old Dirty Dancing song, the one that played at the end of Dirty Dancing, the time of my life. That's playing in the background, and she's eating cereal. But she has a bowl of Fruit Loops. Very obscurely. Yeah. yeah, a bowl of Fruit Loops with a glass of milk next to it, which she sucks with a black straw. <laughs> Separating the whites from the colors. That's one thing. That's another thing. <laughs> it is a black. That was deliberate too, on purpose. A black straw. Hey. Suck it on that black straw. <laughs> it's what she was doing. Yes, you're right. Peel is a legend for that one. <laughs> yeah. And the auction, the auction, which we thought was a bingo game, it's actually a metaphor for what how said that they used how they used to auction off slaves. Yeah. A silent auction. Yeah. Which uh, the blind guy Jim Hudson, who's played by Stephen Root, who who's most famous for playing Milton in Office Space, mm. he wins the auction, right? But during that auction, we see one Asian guy in there. They got a rich Asian guy amongst all those rich white people. Yeah. And his a bingo, his bingo card, it has a yellow sticker upon it. It's crazy. I'm like, very, That's so funny. very subtle. slick. Very subtle. Yeah. And Jim Hudson, yeah, he wins the auction and he wants, and the, and the auction is for Chris. Who's going to get his body? 
And when he explains the whole process to Chris later on, and Chris asks, why us? Mm-hmm. Why black people? Mm-hmm. And he's like, who knows? Some people think that black is in style, it's chic, it's cool, but don't lump me in with those people. I don't care what color you are. I just want to see. I just want, it. I just want your, your eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to see. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, just because your reasons aren't racist doesn't make them, doesn't make, yeah, doesn't make better. what you're doing right. Yeah. I'm like, what's it called? <laughs> you think that makes you more noble? Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good catch. Mm-hmm. Interesting, man. Interesting. And what happens after that is, let's see what else is going on. Jordan Peele, the comedy aspect, is that where we are? Comedy aspect, yeah, Mm. the comedy aspect. Um, What's her face? Not Not Rose, but what's it called? uh, His boy. The yeah, comedian. Yeah, the, the TSA guy. Rodney, yeah, played yeah. by Lil Rel Howery. Yeah. Yeah, well, even when he's in TSA, even when he's in TSA, you see what's it called? Um, What's he doing? <laughs> when, he's, when he has to pat down the old lady? Pat down the old ladies, yeah. And he's always giving Chris shit about dating a white woman. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. But the thing is, he's the as crazy as he sounds, he's the only sane man in the whole film, apart from Chris. Mm-hmm. Because everything he's saying, when he goes to the police station and figures everything out, they just laugh him out of there. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, it's a Cassandra truth. And even Rose, the white girl, when it's revealed, when the whole after the reveal happens, and you see him, um, you see Chris. Like, I mean, Rose on the phone acting all sad and shit, but you see her face is blank. Yes, like almost robotic. Robotic, like a sociopath, like Stepford. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, Stepford, then she, yeah. and then she starts toying with toying with Rod, saying, "I know why you're calling. I know you think about fucking me, Rod. I know why you think about fucking me. <laughs> this bitch is crazy, bro. <laughs> oh, she was trying to see if she could get him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's wild. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? The references it makes in the film. The references they make in the film. Um. <laughs> they say flight that two. That was actually funny. Flight two three seven. Flight two three seven is available for boarding two three seven, like room two three seven in the Overlook Hotel, in in, in The Shining with the Jack Shining. Nicholson. Yeah, great movie by the way. Yes, yes, yes. Nicholson, Nicholson, you crazy for that one? I still mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I didn't catch that actually, but a good good catch with the room two three seven. Mm-hmm. Mm. What else happened? Uh, I think the, the I think another interesting aspect about it was the deer. Oh yes, the deer. Yeah, the father hated deer, and they run over a deer in the mm-hmm. beginning of the film on route to, to Rose's parents' house. Mm-hmm. And Rose's father, he hates deer. He's like, "Yes, me. Uh, you did you did the world a favor." Yep. And ironically, he gets killed, but killed by deer by antlers. Deer antlers. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that statement where he says. Um, you know, did the world a favor, you know, they were, they were starting to get out of hand, their population was starting to get out of hand. Yeah. So it's a common sentiment with, you know, when it comes to racism here, as as the minority, the number of us a minority continues to grow, which is black and color alike, like, you know, Spanish, black people, whatever. The minorities in the United States are starting to grow and, and actually comparatively, if, if not more, mm-hmm. right around the same as, you know, Caucasian population and some people don't like that they prefer the status quo and that's kind of the sentiment he was going with that 
with that whole thing about the deer it was metaphoric of a very similar situation going on in our population. Indeed it was. Indeed it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else is going on in the film? What else is going on? Um, the end of the film. The end of the film. Mm-hmm. Right when um, when uh, Chris... Rose is going to die anyway because of that shotgun blast right through her stomach. She's going to die yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bullet went in and out. But still, it's like that kind of damage, you ain't going to live. Mm-hmm. And even after she's he's choking her, and she's still trying to say, I love you, Chris. He's choking her, then she starts smiling. Like, I mean, I know some... That same friend I mentioned earlier... The same friend I mentioned earlier told me once, the same white girl that he was with, mm-hmm. he told me that she liked being choked. I'm like, is that a white girl fetish or something? <laughs> is it? Don't try. And Don't try. She starts... I'm like, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but... If a girl asked me to choke her, I'm, I'd be like, honey, couldn't I just choke you during dinner? I mean, I'm old, Call me old-fashioned. I have a, <laughs> I have other crazy things, but let's not let's keep it PG for now. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway. <laughs> other ways to choke her, dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the whole choking thing, it just didn't sit You're right with me. You're a funny guy. And then when the cop yeah, car Yeah, hey, don't even think about trying it, dog. For your, for your own safety. I'm not. Yeah. When the cop car showed up, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Is that why this bitch is smiling? No, no. And then we see the TSA symbol on the car. It's like, it's this boy. Thank God. And yeah. the whole audience just like clapped and was relieved. Yeah. Like for once, for once, we did not get, we don't get in trouble and the black guy don't die in this movie. That's one of the biggest differences in this movie versus the predecessors, like the Stepford Wives, Rosemary. They end up becoming victims at the end regardless. Like there's no way out. Yeah. He kind of gets out. Yeah, I think that's what that's what that's one of the tropes that Jordan Peele wanted to subvert with his first film. Mm-hmm. The black guy lives at the end of this film. Yeah, 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 and, and and survives. He's and he did. He stopped the whole the, the that white people thing that they were using the that they were um, switching brains with in the black bodies. Mm-hmm. That was a cult called the Order of Co- Coagula. It was going on for decades. Mm-hmm. And what Chris did when he killed each member of the family systematically within an hour. Mm-hmm. And the house burned down burned too. Down, yeah. yeah, he basically just killed all that shit for good. Yep. And in in another version of the film, in deleted in a deleted scenes portion of the film, they they do this and they have an alternate ending for that as well. Okay. It's not his boy. It's not Rodney that shows up to uh to the house to, to the rescue. Nah, it's real cops. So that means he gets he gets locked up. He gets locked up. Yeah. And then he goes to jail, and Rod goes to talk to him. Chris accepts that he'll have to be in jail for the rest of his life, but at the same time, he's happy because he stopped that. He stopped what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But that that ending didn't sit well with the audience. Oh, the original one, right? Yeah, oh, it like didn't sit one. well. Yeah. So he changed it to that more the one that we saw. The one in the that theatrical. we saw in the theater. Um, the question now becomes: What becomes of the neighborhood? The others that that have sunken place people or bodies, they just continue their lives. They continue their lives until the black body dies or they get in some kind of an accident or something happens other than old age. Oh, one of them has a breakthrough in that similar technology to continue the ritual. Or, or, or if they go to a disco and get surrounded by strobe lights continuously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in which case... I, I, I don't think there are any discos anytime, anywhere near that place. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah. That like, would be ideal. Like strobe lights or something. Like, what's it called? If they get hit by multiple lights, will it bring that person back up to the surface for good mm-hmm. and reclaim their body? 
Maybe. And we'll put the white person in the second place. I know. Who knows? It's kind of like that film White Man's Burden, too. Never saw. Yeah. It, they could have gone further with that. My, th It came out in 1993 or 95 on HBO mm -hmm. or in the theater, but it was produced by HBO. It was John Travolta and Harry Belafonte. Basically, it's a what-if America, where what if the racial roles were reversed? We're on top, and the whites are the oppressed minority. Mm. They could have gone further with a lot of the things they did in the film. Like, for example, white people are poor in the streets, and their music isn't hip-hop. It's hard rock or metal, mm. right? And I'm like, do blacks have their own KKK in this reality? Um, what else? What was what was the mu what was the movie when the movies like in the nineteen seventies? Was it white exploitation? <laughs> I know, yeah. White white pimps and yeah, white drug yeah, dealers. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, was there a white Martin Luther King or white Malcolm X in this reality? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 there's a lot of things that they could have done, they but they didn't touched, touch on. When was that made? Ninety five. Oh okay. That's a that's a movie. I I'm usually not a fan of remakes, but that's a good one that could be remade better. It could be remade better. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't go further. I thought. Yeah. They didn't go as far as they could have. Mm -hmm. I mean, they reduced a lot of them to stereotypes. Like they like, black cops are just beat on white people. Like how how many how often has we have we seen that? Bro. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is my favorite movie by Jordan Peele though. Get Out was my favorite by him. It spoke mm -hmm. to me the most. Me too. I mean, Us was the most nuanced. Mm -hmm. And nope. Nope has the makings of a summer of a summer horror blockbuster all over it. It's a it's a think piece as well mm -hmm. too. That was good too. It was it was, and each of Jordan Peele's films has an element of race, but not not as much as Get Out. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Any last ads for this one for you? Not for this one, no. Mm. Yes, sir. All right, what we're going to be talking about next is the Great American Bash. Mm. That's right. This is the inaugural Great American Bash. Let's give some background because I know some of you are more familiar with the Great American Bash being part of the WCW. The Great American Basura. The <laughs> 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 American Trash. <laughs> nah, go ahead. Where do you get that from? Let me stop. <laughs> I just improv real quick. I will work. Um, yeah, the Great American Bash. Here's some background on it. It was actually created by the late Dusty Rhodes and established in 1985. And it was originally produced by the NWA, that's the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA's Jim Crockett Promotions, JCP. Mm -hmm. But in 1988, the Great American Bash, it began debuting on pay-per-view. And later that year, Ted Turner, billionaire Ted, he realized with the pro wrestling boom in the 1980s, he realized the potential of professional wrestling on cable television. So to that end, he bought the majority share of Jim Crockett Promotions. And a few years later, rebranded it as WCW, World Championship Wrestling. Yep. And like the WWF before them, they seceded from the NWA. Mm. In March of 2001, the WWF bought out the WCW. And a few years later, they revived the Great American Bash as their own promotion, as their own annual promotion in 2004. As stated, the first Great American Bash took place in 1985, July 6th of 85, at the American Legion Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. 27,000 fans attended the event and it was shown on closed circuit television. Now mind you, super events like this are not new. 
I mean, JCP had Starcade a few years ago, and WrestleMania with the WWF had made its annual debut, its inaugural debut months earlier this year. But the difference between this and WrestleMania, WrestleMania was more of a star-studded event and was created on a gamble, a gamble that paid off big. This right here, this is some of the most disorganized shit I've ever seen in pro wrestling. <laughs> you heard what I said at the beginning, dog. I stand by it. Completely unimpressed, disorganized from the setup down to the action, dog. Everything. I mean, okay, The, first, the here, here are the matches and the result. The first match was, oh, and by the way, rest in peace, Ole Anderson. Ole Anderson and Virgil, Michael Jones, by the way, they died this week. Both legends. Rip, rip. Yes, R.I.P. And Ole Anderson was at this event with his on-screen kayfabe brother, Arn Anderson. Mm. But the first match of the night... Legend, by the way. Yes, indeed, legends. The first match is what? Ron Bass. What was he called here? Not Outlaw. Not Outlaw. Cowboy. Uh, Cowboy Ron Bass, yeah. Yeah, he was a face here. i never seen Ron Bass Me as a neither. face. Me neither. Very weird. Very weird. And he beats Nature Boy Landell. Buddy Landell. It's, well, he didn't beat them. It was a draw, actually. Yeah, yeah. And curiously enough, Ric Flair is also at this event, and he had the Nature Boy name, too. But yeah, I guess... That was awkward. And, and if you're part of the NWA, the promotions that are under that banner, they cross, they like cross-pollinate with each okay. other. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the second match was the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. That was Ole Anderson, RIP, and Arn Anderson. They were the tag team... They were the NWA National Tag Team Champions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they fought Buzz Sawyer and Dick Slater. Oh, also about the Ron Bass match, Landell, JJ, Landell's manager was J.J. Dillon, who later became the on-screen WCW president, just like Jack Tunney was in the WWF. And at the end of the match, Ron Bass applied the Iron Claw. Shout out to um, the Von Erichs, the Iron Claw to J.J. Dillon after the match was over. Oh, yeah, I do, I do remember that. But during the um, during the uh, the tag team title match, that wasn't much of anything to tell you the truth. I mean, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew they won fair and square, but then they started going with the mid card matches, which in this case began with a, a six man tag. It was Manny Fernandez, Buzz Tyler, and Sam Houston, who's Jake, who we've covered before. He's Jake the Snake Roberts' brother mm -hmm. against superstar Billy Graham. Conga the Barbarian, and Abdullah the Butcher. In this match, Sam Houston, he oversells, I think. Because when the Butcher <laughs> clotheslined him, it reminded me of what Shawn Michaels did at WrestleMania five when the Rockers fought the Twins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Akeem clotheslined Shawn Michaels. I remember. And he looked like he like landed like right on, flipped over and landed on his neck. He decapitated him. Yeah, decapitated him, yes. Mm -hmm. Sam Houston oversells, but it doesn't help with the color commentators because... Tony Schiavone, one of the commentators, he points out that Sam Houston, of all the six wrestlers in the in the ring at that moment, he had the least experience, and he's right. Mm. It shows. Mm. But I didn't see Conga the Bar the Barbarian. This is before the Powers of Pain. Yeah, I didn't know he was around at that time. Me neither. He's, he still was a pretty d decent performer at that time. He was. He's one of my un underrated big men. He was. He's a, he's a good wrestler. The next match is uh. Um, what's it called? Jimmy Valiant against Paul Jones in a dog collar match. Yeah, Valiant, he wanted him. He wanted Jones one-on-one -on -one in a sanctioned dog collar match. And both men were chained together by their necks throughout the whole match. It's a gimmick match. Mm -hmm. It just looks, it looks stupid. It looks like the chain gang in jail. It's, it's terrible, man. The next match is the Russian team. 
Crusher Khrushchev and Ivan Koloff, who were the NWA Tag Team Champions, not the NWA National Tag Team Champions. Big difference. Mm -hmm. Against the Road Warriors. Yeah, the Road Warriors, they were using chairs throughout this match. Um, And the Doomsday Device, it was not yet their finishing move. Mm -hmm. What else? What else was it? Um, it, That match was a double disqualification, by the way. Mm. Yeah, 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 I remember. I remember, yeah. Next match, Magnum TA. Who's Chaotic. The, That's why it's hard to... A lot of this shit was... Disorganized. Radio, no yeah, storyline behind radio, it. Yeah. There was no production value. Mm-hmm. The next match is Magnum TA, who was the uh, the, the NWA US champion. Word to Evan. Against Kamala. When you said no production value. Word to Evan from Superbad. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry my pornos are directed by the Cone Brothers. Like they never touch a porno. <laughs> right. Get Paul Verhoeven if you want to miss if you want a mainstream porno. I mean, he directed <laughs> Basic Instinct hmm. and Total Recall. Definitely one of your favorites. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. In, in, in the NWA Championship match, Kamala. This is the earliest I've ever seen Kamala, and he looks quite agile despite his size. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. And okay, the, there's a double main event. The, the, first, the first portion of the main event was for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Ric Flair, who's the champion, against Nikita Koloff. And Flair, he arrives in helicopter and even had his theme music, the 2001 Space Odyssey theme music back then. But he lands in helicopter. This was not, this is, this is like a football field where this, it's like a football field where this, where this venue took place, where this wrestling event took place at. It was terrible. Like, like the wrestling ring in the middle and the football field cleared around it, yeah. which is how they landed the, landed the helicopter. Yeah. And then so they, had, they, had a, they had a few fans around the ring and just a lot of grass and then a lot of fans on the stands. I'm like, whoever paid for the, for the tickets or the seats on the stands was gypped, dog. Yeah. Ripped it's, off. But as far as the double main event goes, I will say this. This was the better of the two. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Flair, he got the figure four leg lock in on Koloff early on, mm-hmm. but he broke out of it. And a fan, a fan jumped out of the, uh, uh, the audience and attacked Koloff. And then like four security guards had to get that fan out of there. But I'll give it to them. The wrestlers, they're professional. They keep the show going on mm-hmm. or they find a way to adapt the fan in there somehow mm-hmm. so that they don't break character. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, also, the finisher of this match, though, it sucked. I mean, Flair won, but only because he was out of the ring and Koloff was about to suplex him back in. And then Flair put all of his weight on Koloff. He don't even weigh as much as yeah, Koloff. Yeah, yeah, Koloff's a big dude. He's a Koloff. bigger guy than Flair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he falls on Koloff and gets the pin. One, two, three. Mm-hmm. But after the match, Koloff, right, as was his right, he beats the ref and Flair after the match and puts Flair in his finishing move, the Russian Sickle. So Sam Houston and a bunch of other wrestlers who are all casually dressed at this point, they got to come out to help Flair. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not organized. Where was the buildup for any of these matches at? Yeah. You mm-hmm. could at least give the audience gave the audience some kind of like a context for what led to these matches. I mean, good God, McMahon, he showed people the way to go. Right, right. And finally, the steel cage match. The steel cage match, it was a lights out match that was not sanctioned by the NWA. And that was Dusty Rhodes against Tully Blanchard. And Tully Blanchard was a champion. And Rhodes, Rhodes, this match, why was the, the television championship match put 
at the end instead of the, the heavyweight championship match with Flair. You said you said he he, yeah, he he owned the establishment or whatever. Yeah, he was a big. He had a lot of Dusty Rhodes had a lot of booking power in Jim Crockett Promotions. Mm. He was one of their biggest wrestlers. Basically, he was to Jim Crockett Promotions what the Click was to the WWF in the mid '90s. Mm. Lots of control over the booking and puts this kind of match as the main event in order to feed his ego. Mm. It wasn't even all that good. I mean, steel cage match, it, that'll draw people, no doubt. But I'd rather see Flair and Koloff in the steel cage. Yeah. They would put on a better mid-time, show. Midterm, midterm. And Blanchard, he was the heel and the champion at the time. And Rhodes, Rhodes? I mean, shout out, I mean, RIP to Dusty Rhodes, but come on. He, the way he carried himself during this match, he looked like a fat Ric Flair. <laughs> even down to how he put the figure four on the Tully Blanchard. <laughs> Uh yeah. I, I just I just find it hard to even see Dusty as a main headliner. Me too, considering how we how we grew up seeing him in the mm-hmm. WWF. Mm-hmm. Dusty Rose, sweet sapphire. Yeah, bro. You ain't it. Uh-uh. Them polka dots and, and, and taking the big boss man's uh what's it called? Nightstick. Nightstick and, and his handcuffs and dancing with him in the ring. Mm-hmm. You think you cute? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he ain't it, dog. Yeah, at, least he, not, at least not a headliner. Now, he ain't no headliner. Mid-card, maybe. Yeah, he won via... Dusty Rhodes won the belt. He won the title via pile driver. But the, also, the other stipulation of the match was that, what's it called? Baby doll, she'll belong to the winner for 30 days. She belongs to Dusty Rhodes, and she's devastated. All these wrestlers got to pull her back to the backstage, mm-hmm. and she's screaming, hollering like a woman who's about to get... who's about to get sacrificed or something. Mm. Yeah, this event was disorganized as hell. It's why so many people like migrated over to the WWF because not only were there more money, they're better production value, better storylines, and better chances standing out. And here, mm-hmm. the refs, the Jim Crockett promotion refs, they're dressed up like casual security guards, not like professional referees, mm-hmm. with the striped uniforms and the yeah, black pants. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that it's was like, weird. they look like they look like straight up security guards, like like. Like like bodyguards. Yeah. Like, and we like to before we even before I even go any further, we like to thank the the fan or uh, one of our our viewers that that um, suggested this. Thank you very much because I had never seen it. I don't know if I. I never it. seen this. Um, granted, I thought it was basura or trash, Great American trash. I don't want to offend you in any way, shape, or form. The most in the same breath, I want to politely put it as such. Like us millennials that got on the sticks, which I mean the video games during the eight to sixteen bit era when we appreciated Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. It's kinda like us appreciating that versus the Gen Z folk that are now on PS4, mm-hmm. PS5 mm-hmm. and asking them to go back to the eight and six <laughs> go back to the eight and sixteen bit consoles. And expecting them to appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? This is very much in that sense. We grew up in the golden era. Yeah. This is, this this is before that. In, a, in, our, in our eyes, this is kind of a little bit before. Like, right before it. Right so before it, yes. It doesn't I mean, hold the same weight. I thought yeah. it was trash. I'll keep it real. I did not think much of the, the event yeah. myself. Yeah. I'm like, the, 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 just the production value, the, disor- the, the fact that it was completely disorganized. Yeah, I can see why so many people gravitated to the WWF. They, yeah. they, they, they did better. 
Granted, we're familiar with quite a few of these wrestlers that were... Yeah, Flair, know, Anderson, the Barbarian, Barbarian Sam Houston. Yeah. A lot of them we know oh, because Jimmy, their Jimmy time... Graham, yeah. Because their time's in, like, bigger promotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People that were... in the, When people got independent of NWA, they were able to do their own thing. Yeah. I mean, McMahon... Had, had McMahon stayed in the NWA after he bought the promotion from his father, mm-hmm. he would have had all of New England, all of most of New, New York, York, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Delaware, yeah. and Maryland. East Coast, yeah. Yeah. But he wanted to expand nationwide. Smart. Yeah, and, and WrestleMania, that was putting all the cards on the table and hope it paid off. And it did. And it did, yeah. So. You could say the same thing about the Great American Bash, but it's like, put it like this. It's like, what's it called? It's like me getting lunch. It's like me getting lunch at a five-star hotel versus Rikers Island. <laughs> thankfully, I've never. Been hey, to, no. <laughs> thankfully, I've never been to Rikers. And may, may that continue. Yeah. We hope, like this. I, I I trust that you are a good, you know. Safe I'm a good citizen. citizen thank you. So, so you You'll be all right, I'm not like Samuel L. Jackson. What he says is, what you know what he does when he introduces himself to people? Like, hello, I'm Samuel L. Jackson, and I'm a nigger. <laughs> and people look at me like, what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, I'm a nigger. I do shit that can get me arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel's a fool for that. But yeah, I I I appreciate, and I don't want I I don't want this to discourage our viewers from suggesting stuff. Yeah, because everybody. We've given everybody the power to their own opinion, including ourselves. This just wasn't it for us, but we were actually glad to watch it because we had never seen it before. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it gave us new context. It yeah, gave us new context. Yeah. I'm not saying you wasted my time. Right, no, right, not right, at right, all. Right, not right, at all. Exactly. I was glad and, and honored to watch it. I just thought it was trash. That's yeah. it. That's all. Yeah. What else in this event? Nothing else for the Great American Bash of 1985. Mm. Nah, mm. nothing for that. But um, we're going to be talking about our next topic and our final topic, final, final G topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> G topic. That reminds me, do you remember Chappelle's show when, what's it called, the Trading Spouses episode in season one? Mm-hmm. Where, where, what's it called? When he's with the white family and the white voice gets influenced by Chappelle's character to the point where he starts acting black, listening listen to 50 Cent. Yeah. It's like, my top. the hell you listening to? Like, Oops. Wait, keep going. What the hell are you listening to? It's a new 50 cent. I'm from the streets, man. G, you man. Like, come on. Get in the car. Get your ass in the car. Get your ass in the car, though. Classic. What a show. What a show. We got to cover that at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. For real. All right. Next thing we're going to be talking about is Griselda, the Netflix miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever seen Cocaine Cowboys, that gives the real story. This is a dramatization in six parts. It was directed by Andres Baez, and it's produced by Eric Newman and Sofia Vergara. It's written by Doug Miro and Ingrid Escaeda, and it stars Sofia Vergara as Griselda Blanco, the notorious Colombian drug lord, mm-hmm. La Madrina, the cocaine godmother. Yeah. Yeah, the miniseries. Yeah. The Black Widow. The Black Widows, yes. Mm-hmm. It appeared on Netflix on January 25th of this year in six one-hour-long episodes. And the plot, it follows Griselda Blanco, the powerful crime boss, and her rise in the Miami drug scene and the pursuit of power and wealth. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of drug use, paranoia, and betrayal, all of which led to her downfall. And her actions resulted in multiple deaths, including that of a child. 
Yeah, yeah. And to escape retaliation from the cartel, she turns herself... She's smart. She turns herself over to the police later in the episode so fa- and faces unexpected consequences, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite serving prison times, tragedy strikes her when she's on her way out. And the show serves as a cautionary tale about the destructive pursuit of power. And Griselda Blanco, after she was released from jail, she was murdered outside of a butcher shop in Medellin, Colombia in 2012. Mm-hmm. Pablo Escobar who was the subject of Narcos, which is, which which the producers also produced. Yes. Of which produced, yeah, the, the producers of Narcos also produced Griselda, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a quote from Pablo Escobar at the beginning of Griselda, which says, the only man I ever feared was a woman named Griselda Blanco. <laughs> I'm like, how scary was this chick? Ruthless. Ruthless. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, also, shout out to the Griselda Records family, West Side Gun, Conway the Machine, and Benny the Butcher for naming their label after the cocaine godmother. And for bringing like 90s New York coke rhymes back to the forefront. Y'all do it well. Yeah, he's a big fan. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shout the, to them. yeah um, Andres Baez, he's a Colombian native himself and he directed all six episodes. And like I said, him, Miro, and uh, Carlos Bernard, they were all part of the Narcos creative team and executive producers on Griselda. Mm. It was met with positive reviews, especially with uh, Regatta's performance, even though some of the some of the historical inaccuracies, they got some criticism. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I can see that. Griselda, yeah, we, sh- we find out how she got the name The Cocaine Godmother, and she was dismissive of it at first, but then really bought into it later on. Yeah. So much so that she named her son Michael Corleone Blanco. Wow. And ironically... Not ironically, but what's it called? Of all of Griselda's children, her three that she had from her previous marriage, and Michael Corleone, who she had with her bodyguard turned husband, yeah, he's the only one of her children that's still alive. Mm-hmm. His older brothers, they got killed by people who wanted to hurt Griselda as they knew that she was on her way out of jail. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Michael Corleone, him and his wife, uh, Marie, they sued Netflix for this show. They sued Netflix, Sofia Vergara, and others over the series due to alleged unauthorized usage of the family's image, likeness, and identity <laughs> without their consent or compensation. Very interesting. But the suit was dismissed without prejudice uh, this month, actually. Mm. Yeah, so they got nothing. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, Griselda Blanco, let me just say this. They always try to humanize drug dealers, man. They do. They always they do. do. They do. Whether they're fictional, like what's it called, like Franklin Saint, James St. Patrick, Walter White, Gus Fring, etc. Pablo Escobar himself. Yeah, Pablo Escobar, real life drug dealers. Pablo yeah. Escobar, George Jung, Frank Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Griselda, they always humanize them. Mm-hmm. It's like, for once, just make me hate these motherfuckers. Yeah, they weren't good people to they, society. They weren't really. I mean, yeah, you got Frank Lucas passing out turkeys in the hood and whatnot, but it's like, these motherfuckers were ruthless. They kill without hesitation, mm-hmm. and they kill without 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 over the slightest provocation. Yep, yep. And over paranoia, as as if they're just being pragmatic. Exactly. Like make them show them for the piece of shit human beings they are. Mm-hmm. Make me hate them, not root for them. Because mm-hmm. yeah. each one of the people I mentioned, to a certain extent, I did root for them, even though I know I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I'm a big fan of. I take a nice interest, a keen interest on. You history. Know, yeah, this 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 history in general and, and this kind of stuff, this uh, organized crime and narcotics and stuff like that. Uh, 
so I, I'm very abreast of, you know, the history of Griselda and, you know, the accounts that happened in her existence and stuff. But I think, like you said, this show humanizes her to the extent where it gives you a perspective to some extent of why she was the way she was and why she was so ruthless. At the beginning, like, like just on surface level and knowing it as, you know, from a historical factual basis, you're like, this motherfucker is crazy, this motherfucker is ruthless, this motherfucker is evil. You get all those sentiments, but then I guess the show... Her be- I'm yeah. sorry. Her being a woman part of this part of this game, really. Yes. And going as far as she did. Yes. I, I admit there is some there is something remarkable about that. Yeah, yeah. I admit that. I'll give her that. Yeah, it gives you yeah, it gives you the the sense of, of reality and the fact that she's like a woman in a male dominant yeah know, in a male dominant illegal business from a very patriarchal culture where like women aren't really you know, it's like female rappers. It's like they, st- no matter how good they are, they still like are viewed with like a certain degree of cynicism because yeah. they're women. Yeah, exactly. So for her to get the attention and the respect of these guys, she had to go overboard further. Yeah, which is why she, you know, and and also on a further on a on a, to a to a more legal extent, actually, mm-hmm. it's like what it's like what um, it's like what black professionals have to go through, like black doctors, for example. Mm-hmm. From what I've, what I've seen and from what I've, what I've heard from different people, the reality of a black doctor is different than, than that of a white doctor. Yeah. For, yeah, they I have, have... some of my family. Yeah, it's yeah, If a black doctor fucks up, it's like, it's like it's not, it doesn't have the same consequences as a white doctor. Mm-hmm. They got to work twice as hard just to prove they're half as good. In some places of the world, it's even worse. I know, I have a family member that's a doctor in, in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. In Germany, in fact. Um, Germany. Yeah, so he had to do, uh, I forget what kind of surgery it was, maybe heart transplant or something, to this German guy. And off surface level, when the German patient found out he was going to be operated by a black man, he was like, fuck no. Fuck no. And so, like, so like the hospital, the hospital institution that they were at had to, like, literally talk him into it or whatever and, like, show him the black man my cousin's credentials or whatever oh my god well, my cousin actually conducted the uh the surgery and everything went well yeah he had a change of sentiment he was so grateful da, good da, 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 da. good uh, but yeah it just goes to prove your point yeah yeah it's like what's it all it's like we're not gonna hurt you i mean yeah. what's it called? how you know we're not better white does not equal right yeah yeah exactly exactly um, I but, mean, but by the same token, I'm not a fan of affirmative action all that much either. Yeah, yeah I say that because yeah. it don't make a difference what color you are. It matters to me if you're the best, most qualified person for the job, mm-hmm. and, and if you were hired over someone who is more qualified simply because of your color. Then I think in a perfect world, I agree with what you're saying. But I, I think I get cer- the point of it. But there's, I'm like, there's certain factors, like for instance, in a room where people are deciding who gets in and who gets in and all that room is very homogeneous mm-hmm. more than likely they will pick the homo who, the, who looks just like, like them. them yeah this, this is the whole point of affirmative action um so like they're imperfect factors that factor so i understand why it's, it exists is it fair in a perfect world no but in a world that we live in is not perfect so i understand why it is implemented to try and to be level, more inclusive. Level the ground. Yeah, level, level the ground, ground and be more inclusive. Yeah. Um, but 
but it runs a risk. It of has its cons too. Yeah, it runs it a risk. Cons too. It runs Absolutely. a risk of hiring someone who's not qualified. Exactly, it has its cons too. As, it's, it's pros that are there if the person is that is hired is actually qualified for the job, whereas as opposed to it just filling a void. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, which, yeah. which is which is not to say that what's it called? If you hire someone just because they're black, that's not to say they can't do the job. Yeah. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. A lot of times it's lazily done. So lazily it, done. It, it, it creates a con. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But, but then again, you take and, a chance on anybody you hire. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's fair. That's true. But um, yeah. Back to... Back to Griselda. Back to Griselda. Yeah. Um, for the first episode, though, we she's leaving. She, she's shot up and trying to like... She band-aids herself with like a makeshift tampon and some band-aids. <laughs> yeah. And takes her children to leave. Funny shit. She takes yeah. her to leave her husband Alberto because what's it called? Alberto, her and, her, her and Alberto were smugglers, right? For Alberto's brother, Fernando. Yeah. yeah. Right. And this time they were short on on their supply on their keys, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't let them make it up with the next supply. So Fernando, he wanted just one night with Griselda, and Griselda's like, "What you mean one night? He wants Sick. he wanted to have sex with her." Yeah. But but Alberto's like, "What's the problem? It's no big deal. He used to be a hooker." Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? That's your wife, bro. That's your wife, man. Don't 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 treat yeah. her like she's your. She yeah. can be passed around like a joint. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Even she. I was sick. I would have smacked the fuck out of him for that. Yeah. She went along with it reluctantly, and then there was talk about how she liked it. But I'm like, that was probably the machismo in Fernando talking. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. He um he wiped out her debt because of that. But it's like Jesus, man. I can see why she she came to America. Yeah. And hooked up with her homegirl, Carmen. Yeah, Carmen, she's... Uh, she. The actress that plays her is actually an Italian girl from Brooklyn. But she's playing a Spanish girl who was raised in America. And they also highlight that when her children ask her, ask Griselda about her. Like, if she's Hispanic, how come she don't speak no English? She was raised here. That's what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, she was raised here. But that don't mean she couldn't have learned Spanish. Yeah, true. Very true. Because I used to work with a guy who was from South America, right? Heavy accent and everything, but so, but somehow couldn't speak a goddamn lick of Spanish. Hmm. How the hell does that happen? He had a Spanish accent. You said heavy Spanish accent. I'm like, how the hell do you not know how to speak Spanish with that accent? Hmm. Interesting. That's very interesting. Good God, it's like how like how some Dutch people sound. They sound American. A lot of Dutch sound American. I guess it's because growing up, that's the accent they heard at home. I don't know if he grew up here or at home or in another country, but it's like. Yeah, I mean, like in it's, the household. In the household, yeah. But being, but if he raised here, though, it's like he being around a bunch of Americans. You think that he be he would adapt too? That's true. But then again, I don't know the guy outside of work. Maybe the accent was an act. Could be, could yeah. be. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe he sounds like what's it called? Like a typical white American, Anglo American outside of work. I don't know. Could be, man. Could very well be. Because yeah, people put on an act. In, people put on an act in the workplace. Yeah, code switch. Not just code switching, like their entire identities. Like a, like a Clark Kent motherfucker in the workplace. Mm-hmm. He could be like a bouncer at some club mm-hmm. after hours. Or a pimp. Or a pimp or something, yeah. yeah. Like Wayne Brady. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with Griselda, though. Like you said, she had to work harder just to make herself, make her presence felt. And recognized and respected. And she tried to do it the right way first. Like show a key yeah. to what's it called? That that one dealer at that nightclub. Yeah. And he just blew it away because I deal in quantity. What the fuck am I going to do with a key? Mm-hmm. And the same guy that introduced her to him, what's it called, um, Johnny? Mm-hmm. She took a baseball bat to that nigga in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. 
Like, what's it called? She kept beating him and said, introduce me to your connect and give me back my fucking key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, when she gets, and when she gets introduced to the, introduced to the connect, she, she's ballsy. I'll, get, I'll admit it is. Griselda Blanca was a ballsy she, chick. She had to be. She made fun of the guy's nose, right? The Eddie mm-hmm. Mox's nose. Mm-hmm. And right when you think he's about to kill her, he just bursts out laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the balls in this bitch. I want to do business. Sometimes that's what it takes. Because mm-hmm. if you're too respectful, they'll take you. They'll take that as a sign take, that you're scared yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. Or, or weak. Mm-hmm. But she brings in. Those, but she brings in these fine ass Colombian girls later. From, from her past. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a hooker. Fine ass girls that smuggle drugs inside of their bra. Yeah, that was, a, that was an original business plan, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, oh, also, also the actress uh, Juliana Aiden Martinez. She plays uh, June Hawkins. Who was just a translator for the Miami Dade Police Department at mm, first? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like the only chick that can speak Spanish up in there, fluent Spanish. Yeah, yeah, and she and she rises up in the food chain as as Griselda rises up in the drug business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her. Shout out to Juliana Aiden Martinez. You're a fun actress to watch, and you're incredibly easy on the eyes too. I like you. <laughs> word, word. Let it be known. Mm-hmm. Let it be known. I'm letting it be known. I'm letting it be known. Mm-hmm. Um, Griselda and her fam live in a motel, but she makes her first successful deal on that big ass yacht where they're having the party. Yeah, with the white people. Yeah, that was that was the title of the episode. Rich white people. Yeah, yeah. She figured, That's okay, funny. okay, these white people want coke too, but they but they're too scared to come in, into the ghetto to come get it. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We we'll bring it to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by episode five though, she's a queen pin, but she's feeling herself way too much and dipping into her own product. Yeah. Yeah, she's known to the feds as, jo- as June Hawkins. She's part of a DEA task force, Centac. Mm-hmm. She's part of that at this point, and, and Griselda's a target. And they've been watching Griselda, watching her organization, mm-hmm. her safe houses, her lo- money laundering businesses, all that. Mm-hmm. And how she's making the cops and feds look dirty by, by putting dirty money into their accounts and get yeah, them thrown off cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. That was funny. That was funny. Oh my good God. How far is this chick's reach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened? Oh, her sons. Dixon, Uber, and Ozzy. How y'all how all y'all got Anglo names and came to this country not speaking a lick of lick of English? <laughs> except for fuck you. That's all y'all can say is yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, y'all got Anglo names, one of which one of which is the name of a of a of a taxi driver company. Mm-hmm. Uber is basically just a high end. It's better than taxi. It is. It is. Dixon, Mason Dixon, Uber, and Ozzy, like Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Even they're indulging in a life now too. They're dipping in coke. Yeah. And they're and they're, yeah, fe- yeah. And they're feeling themselves, thinking that they they're are. untouchable. They are. Yeah. They are. And also, lastly, uh, Rivi Jorge Ayala Rivi. That's her most loyal hitman. Gangster. That motherfucker. We'll get to what he does a, l- a little bit later. That dude. What he does later on is like, I'm like, I got to tip my hat to you for that. That's brilliant. Mm, it's funny. Yeah, he was with her at her lavish birthday party that she was having for her husband. Mm-hmm. Her husband, Dario, who was actually the bodyguard of her ex-husband, Fernando. Yeah, he, um, he, he switches over to her side, yep. works as a bodyguard, but then she falls in love, becomes her husband, and then father of their child, Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. But at that party that she had for he, his birthday. He that voice of reason for a while. He was, yeah. Until he like fucked us, I'm out of here. Yep. Yeah, at the party that she threw for him, that was a lavish party, dude. I mean, at first I wish I could be there, but like, good God, what they were doing over there? She she gives him like a like a James Bond golden gun, gun like yeah. a nine millimeter golden gun. Yeah. Um, she um she's doing crack at that party. 
engages in some lesbian sex, gets more paranoid, and she's even serving up cocaine, lines of cocaine as an appetizer for yep, the people in there. The people in there, yep. Her friend Martha is the one who introduced her to crack. And and her friend Martha, she's part of the Ochoa cartel. Yeah. She's walking around commando style during that whole party. Yeah. Griselda, find me a bathroom. I have no panties on. I'm leaking. I'm like, you dirty bitch. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very powerful family. As a matter of fact, I won't be surprised if they were in on her assassination. Well, Griselda's assassination? Probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. given what we saw during the miniseries, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, What's it called? Oh, she's also part of the reason why she decided to take the bid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she let, during the whole party, she let other motherfuckers put ideas into her head. And it made her paranoid, paranoid. of everyone, even her own people. Mm-hmm. She, before the party got started, she knew there was like the feds were looking at her. So she figured, who might be able to snitch? Okay, let's just kill all of them just to be sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you just lost some good workers, you dummy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Not, pro- none of them were probably snitches in the first place. Mm-hmm. All you did was get rid of some good employees. Mm-hmm. And good employees are hard to find, even in this business. Mm-hmm. Loyal is that too. Loyal, like productive. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happened? Oh, she she emasculates her husband and like forces some dude to like strip naked and bark like a dog. Oh yeah. Forces two people to two people to have sex right in front of a whole crowd. What is wrong with you? This crack make you do all this? Mm-hmm. Kind of was good. And her and her first bodyguard, Chucho, who she found at a restaurant earlier in the series, yeah, he was loyal to her too. But because he wasn't at the party, had to take care of his son, she thought he was a snitch too. Yeah. So she emasculated Rivi into doing it, into killing him. Mm-hmm. But he, Rivi, Rivi, he wasn't, he wasn't successful at doing it though. And Rivi tried to reason with her at first, tried to tell her flat out, if you kill a guy just because of a rumor, because you're paranoid, that's not power. Mm-hmm. That's fear. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care. She just still, she still did basically cut his balls off into doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ta- Rivi takes a shot, but he ends up killing Chucho's son instead. Yeah, yeah. And and that, that was on the news. That was on the news, yeah. Mm-hmm. And June Hawkins, she really wanted Griselda after she got her partner killed. Yeah, I think after that death, it ramped up everything. Yeah, the way and and later on when June as Hawkins, the DEA and Feds were like involved. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, what's it called? Um. Carmen, her girlfriend that she was staying with when she first came to America earlier in the series, mm-hmm. and Carmen decided to inform on her after Griselda snitched on her. I'm like, what you expect, Griselda? You you choked her, tried to kill her, yeah, accused her of being a snitch. Like, no bullshit. She was like, okay, bitch, I'm definitely telling on you now. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck no more. Mm-hmm. And the feds, they hit damn near everything. Yeah. But her homegirl that put her on the crack, Marta, she dies spectacularly of an overdose. And in the process of hiding her body with Rivi, they discover a room stocked full of kilos. I looked at that shit like, like Chappelle and Half Baked, like him and his boys, Scarface and Half Baked, when they came in that room full of all them bricks of weed. Yeah. They're like, Yay. I'm just sitting there like, I'm seeing dollar signs, mm-hmm. all that money in there. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like even in 1980, what is the street value of all that shit? Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating drug dealing, but like, good Lord. Cash out. Yeah, man. They take all the drugs out of there before the Ochoas arrive back, mm-hmm. and they put they put Marta's body in the in the jacuzzi to boil like mm-hmm. meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're lucky they got out of there by the skin of her, the skin of their teeth. But the Ochoas knew knew that Griselda took their money and killed. Well, she didn't even kill her friend. No, she didn't. Now the friend killed herself technically. Yeah, but what they left behind gave them that. 
that motive or sentiment that yes, yeah, she murdered. Uh-huh. She murdered her on purpose and stole our, our keys. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And the thing is, when he came back, when he when the Ochoas came back to the mansion, like, baby, Martha, where you at? I got some McDonald's for you. Yeah. Look at that yeah. old ass McDonald's paper the bag. Old joint, yeah. Uh huh. Like, mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, I miss McDonald's in the '80s, and I say, and here's why: that apple pie. It's not the same. Hell, it has not been the same since we were in high school, nigga. <laughs> I wasn't here in the '80s. I was in England. Yeah, but here's the thing: when we were well, in high- Ghana and England, but yeah. But what's it called? Back in the '80s and early '90s, the apple pie was deep fried. But by the time we got to high school and went to McDonald's every day for lunch during yeah. our first two years, mm-hmm. it was baked. Yeah, they bake it now, you're right. Yeah, you know how they deep when they deep fried, you know because they got the bubbles that are actually fried yeah, on there on and top. shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And they tasted so and, and 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 the insides were like lava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But right. with the baked one, it's like, this is not right. What is different about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a friend of ours, Sean Tracy, he told me one day, it's like, that's what it is. Thank you. Oh, Sean Tracy was what put you put you up. Like just, he put he put me onto oh, it in yeah. ninth grade when I realized what's like, what, oh, that's they, what it was. They bake it now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 thank you, Cheese, and shout out to you for winning the um being coach of the BCC championship. My man Bega, uh-huh. shout out to Bega, though. That's my man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but Griselda, though, yeah, they um after she after she steals all them keys, she goes out west, takes her family out west, living in a motel again, mm. but still selling using Brivi to sell all her product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they find out about her. They find out where she's at. I mean, the Ocho- these Ochoa niggas got black people everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're like the last men. I think they still exist. Yeah. You know, the Medellin, I think. I think they're Medellin. Are the Medellin cartel? I think part of, well, not Medellin cartel. Well, yeah. So I think Pablo, the cartel used to answer to them. Yeah. So like they, they, they were feared. The Ochoas were feared. They still are, I think. And then they found Griselda. They found her. They did. And they were about to kill her too, but Revi, he found out because he got informants everywhere. Mm-hmm. But what gets him got, what gets him got is this. He didn't have no he didn't have no pocket change for for them to make a call to Griselda on a payphone. Payphone error. Yeah, payphones, yeah, those are those are that's dead technology too. Mm-hmm. He didn't have no money, no pocket change for that. So he goes in the bank and wants change for 10. Like, give me a roll of quarters. Like, are you a customer? Do you have a bank account here? I'm like, what fucking difference does that make? Just give him the roll. Let me ask you this. What, what year was the last time you saw a payphone? During the 2010s. Somewhere during then. Maybe, oh. 2006, 15, 16. Oh, you saw one around that time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In Silver Spring, actually. I feel like the last time I saw it was the, the O's. Oh my goodness. Shout out to The Wire for that too. Mm. Using pagers and payphones in order to communicate and fool mm. the cops. Remember when they were banned when we were in school? Now they were banned? Like pagers. pagers. Yeah, pagers were banned, yeah. Everybody thought if and you were. Cell phones. Everybody thought if you had a pager that you were a drug dealer yeah, back then. Back then, yeah. In the 90s, yeah. Mm-hmm. I never got to use a pager. It's like, I good, yeah. good. I, I, the way they looked, it's like, it's, it's too much. Just text me. I know some people in our school had them. They used to sneak them. Mm-hmm. I knew some of them, too. Yeah. Like, if you were a pager, you were important. Yeah. To be cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Revy, he pulls a gun out on the, on the bank teller to, just to get a roll of quarters and still got, and pay for what he, what he got. But, like, nigga, there are cameras everywhere. You're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you were known associate to a, to a queen pin. You're bound to get caught. Mm-hmm. But um, Griselda, what she did was, she called the cops on herself, right? She sent her kids away from the motel for dinner and yeah. called the cops on herself before the Ochoas got there. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of that's kind of smart. Mm-hmm. That's kind of smart. Mm-hmm. But once the feds get there, June Hawkins, it's like that's like the scene in American Gangster when a Russell Crowe and Denzel, when a Richie Roberts and Frank Lucas face each other at the end. Mm-hmm. After you see the montage of all of Frank Lucas's brothers getting arrested at their business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. An amazing grace is playing in the background. Like, well, y'all finally come face to face after two mm-hmm. hours of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I forget y'all never y'all never seen each other see until each other. now. Yeah, yeah. June Hawkins. Yeah, she came face to face with her, and they taunt each other in the car. Griselda's mm-hmm. like, "You've wanted me for most of your professional career, haven't you? You thought about me at night, haven't you? At the expense of your personal life? Well, guess what? I haven't thought of shit about you, bitch." Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, why would you? You're right. You don't know her. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know who's looking for you. Mm-hmm. And Blanco, she got indicted. She got indicted by the U.S. District Court in, in the Southern District of New York for conspiring to manufacture, conspiring to manufacture and import drugs in the United States. Yeah, she got arrested in 85 thanks, thanks to herself. Mm-hmm. And she got sentenced to 15 years in prison, but it would have been longer. But however, what's it called? Her, um, her boy, Rivi? It looked like he was going to snitch on her at first, right? It looked like he was going to tell on her. He was like a Fed star witness mm-hmm, at first, mm-hmm. right? But and he, it looked like he handed the Feds a whole case against Griselda on a platinum, gold, and silver platter, mm-hmm. but then blew it up from the inside because one of the people, one of his federal handlers, like a paralegal or secretary in the prosecutor's office, he started having phone sex with her. Yep, and they got pinched. Yeah, it was, it was actually a few of them he was doing that with. Mm-hmm. All of them were bored with their husbands. Yeah, and they got and in the show, in the show they made it look like her boss, the secretary's boss, mm-hmm. a woman caught them in the process while they were literally feeling themselves and moaning in their office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that's actually true. Yeah, that was true. Actually, that did happen. Yeah. But because of that, the state the state attorney's office lost all credibility, mm-hmm. even though it was due to the secretaries and not the prosecutors. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was one of them was fired, but cleared of wrongdoing. Yeah. Yeah, so he blew up the Fed's case on the inside, showing he was loyal to Griselda to the end, mm-hmm. and that got her. That's what got her that fifteen-year sentence, not a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she was killed, though, when she was sixty-nine years old, shot outside of a butchery, a butcher shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she um, like we said earlier, her oldest children, her oldest sons, met violent deaths at the last stretch of her prison end. Yeah, and Michael Corleone, he was still alive. He was raised by his paternal grandmother. grandmother. And Griselda tried to have her assassins take Michael, Michael Corleone from his paternal grandmother and his father when they were back living in Colombia. Yeah. Because when the feds were coming down on Griselda, uh, Dario was like, fuck this, I'm out of here and I'm taking our son with us. I don't want him raised by you. Mm-hmm. You paranoid. You basically pookie now from New Jack City, yeah, bitch. Yeah, yeah. She had him killed, though. Had him killed, took the son, but the son got put back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what the show doesn't show is yeah, what what historical inaccuracies are there, history buff? When, when she when she gets arrested and she's in the camp, she's actually still she's actually still conducting um, cocaine trafficking. Like she's still, from the prison. Yeah, from the prison. She had she, she I think she actually serves her sentence in Detroit, and like she's having an affair with a black man that's in the streets of Detroit. Oh, yeah, Big Meech. And she was still she was still feared at that time. She even, was even the dude the dude that she. The dude that became that who she was the plug for. Yeah, he was scared of her. She was locked up. Dude, dude, her, she still had connects to get you killed. Her reputation preceded her. The cocaine godmother. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the scenes also like the blowing up of the dude 
dude's house. Mm-hmm. Revy actually did that with the TNT. They um, I'll give her. They made Sofia Vergara look less glamorous for this role. You're right. They did a good job with the makeup and everything. And she said this is a hard role for her to do. She's not used to doing drama. She's used to, she's used to being funny. Yeah, comedian. Comedian. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did you ever see her on uh on a Jimmy Kimmel or a or what's it called a uh, Colin? What's his name? Farrell. Not no, Colin Farrell. Colin, no shit. I know you're talking about the guy that's on the late night show. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot his name. I forgot his name too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On one of them where they had like celebrity mean tweets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had Sofia Vergara on there one time, and she's what, like, "What did they say to her?" She's reading. Sofia Vergara talks like she has a dick in her mouth, and I don't like hearing her talk. And she's like, "So what's wrong with having a dick in my mouth?" <laughs> right. I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing. So long as it's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, good comeback though. It's nothing wrong with having. Yeah, yes, yeah, nothing wrong with that. And she's fine as hell, too. Over 50. She got a kid that's, she has a kid from like a previous relationship who's, a grown, who's grown now. Yeah, right. And she divorced her husband because her husband wanted kids. I'm like, she, I've been she, there, yeah, done that. Yeah, she wanted, she didn't want, she didn't want any kids. Yeah. Mainly because she didn't want to be an old mom. She's already, she already got, she's already had milk status for God knows how long. Yeah, but more so like as the kid is in developmental years. She yeah, she'll be an old lady. Yeah, she doesn't want to be like that. She doesn't want to be like in her senior citizen while he's in his teens. Yeah, yeah, because she wants to be there for him. Yeah. yeah men, men do that frequently. Like they, I, like Nicholson, he had his he had his final son when he was in his fifties somewhere. Shout out the, to uh, De Niro too. And De Niro too. Yeah. I think Pacino too. They, yeah. Yeah, they had two kids last year by younger girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'll give you all this. Y'all going strong. Men can go forever. Yeah, but what's it called? How, what kind of father are you going to be, though, this age? You got, y'all niggas are 80. Mm-hmm. And you got a newborn child? They got money, though. They so got they money. They'll, they'll have help, but still. They'll have you're help, right. but still, right. it's, it's still like... Not the same thing. Right. Not, the same, not the same thing at all. It's like, it's like... I imagine that most fathers... Well, I don't know about most, but it's like, if you're a dad, you want to at least hold your kid or be around. Mm-hmm. Not be a deadbeat. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the people that we know personally who become fathers, they're changed men. yeah. Fact. Especially when they become girl dads. I mean, shout out to all my friends, all our friends that are girl dads. Yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all yeah, definitely yeah. changed. Yeah, 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 big time. Uh huh. Although for some of y'all, I think it's a curse for how y'all did women back when we were younger. <laughs> Pause. Okay, who can be quiet about that? Y'all doing a good job. I'm gonna just say that. Yeah, nonetheless, you are doing a good job, folks. I shout out. I shout y'all out. Yeah. Yeah, being a father has changed y'all for the better. Yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. Facts. Facts. Mm-hmm. Facts. But. Yes, yeah. that is what we got today. Mm-hmm. That is what we got for Griselda, um, the Great American Bash. Regarding Griselda, for those that enjoyed the show and uh, want to know my, more about it, go watch the Cocaine Cowboys, part yeah. one and two. One and two, yes. Yeah, they're both good. Yeah, those are good right there. Those are the very... First, first hound accounts, you, you get to see Revy, the real guy, mm-hmm. um, and a few other people that were present during this time that are incarcerated. Just having their accounts of everything, and some people that have served their time and come out. Indeed, uh, they all they all have their accounts of everything, and they also have real footage of some of the murders and dead bodies and shit from that time frame. Yes, indeed. Also, also, what's it called? On a related note, shout out to BMF on Stars. Oh, fact, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my man Meech. Big Meech and and, and Terry Funnery, Southwest T. Mm-hmm. Hope y'all bring Lamar back. Haha. <laughs> are they doing a spinoff? Uh, they are doing a spinoff of that, yeah. Shout I out mean, to Kofi. Got yeah. it for life, baby. Yeah, Eric Kofi Abrifa. Shout out to you, bro. Hell of an actor. Yeah. 
right, um, what's it called? Um, for our next for our next episode, episode number eleven, which will be in March. Two more to go. Yeah, two more to go for this season. Yes, two more to go. Yeah, yeah. shout out, shout out in our in our, in our in our comments on YouTube. On IG Fact. or even DM us what you want to see. What you want to see, yep. What you want to see, yeah. We're open to suggestion. I mean, look yeah. what we did with the Great American Badge. Yep. Even though we didn't enjoy it, we still took a look yeah. at it. Yeah, and like yeah, so notebook that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Notebook as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hell, even if you want us to watch what's it called, I'm um, say anything or Vanilla Sky, we'll take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. facts, mm-hmm. facts, facts. Vanilla and Sky was dope. Sake, nailing Sarah <laughs> Na- No, it's called nailing Palin, motherfucker. <laughs> See, I don't even know. He knows. So if you want us to do that... That was, that was a big pop culture thing during the time of the 2008 yeah, election. I, I don't remember the date. But yeah, if, if, if you else want us to do that too, I mean, we might try. I don't know what the narrative is in there, but we might try, you know. But give who, us your suggestions. Who, who on a podcast talks about the plot of a porno? I mean... Hey. No, nobody even looks at porno for a plot. For your sake. In case you what do you mean for my sake? In case you want to vote for her this year or some don't, shit. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. He's like the African drunkard, village drunkard. <laughs> See? Look. And, I'm, and, I'm the only, <laughs> and I've been drinking this whole podcast. And I'm, and I'm sober. Hey. Let us know what you want us to do. Wrestling, shows, yeah. or movies. Yeah, man. no, we, no we, porno. We're hip. We'll do no it porno. I mean, yeah, what's no it called? Pornos. There's nothing to discuss about that. But, yeah. but I, even put Barbie up in there, too. Barbie was a good film. Hey, Barbie. But yeah. Did you, did you see that, John? I started it, but I didn't finish it. Oh, that shit was good. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever you guys want us to do, let us know in the comments. Yes. Also, comment. Give us your opinions about the stuff that we've done today mm-hmm. in the past. We love reading your comments. Because we might have missed some points and, and things that yeah. we didn't catch in the movies or yeah. shows. or We like, don't catch everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Two more episodes for the season. Yeah, two so more. So let us know, man. Let us we'll, know what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we sure. thank you all for viewing as well, too. Without and shout out to all my black people. Black is love. Black Lives Matter. It's yeah. Black History Month. Shout I love being Har- black. Har- Harm Globetrotters, too. I love being black. It's love. As do I. As yeah, do I. yeah, yeah. What do you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah? No, you don't. You say it like that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That's my man, dog. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. All right, peace. Oh, man. Peace. Yeah.